can't be the only one who just wants to get away from it all, right? But time and time again, I find myself throwing down anchors that tie me to the very things, stressors, and responsibilities that I wish I could run away from. What is this compulsive need for things, for doing more, for running ourselves ragged? Well, today I'm joined by Renee Bennis, who is the queen of minimalist lifestyle. She is the owner of the Fun Size Life Company, a coaching business and a blog that inspires others to be more authentic and get rid of the clutter. She has experienced her own battles with consumerism and modern stress and now lives a minimalist lifestyle that frees her from the things that used to hold her back. She talks about how these things can become addictions in our lives and how we can take back our identity. My name is Jesse Lyon, and you're listening to the Tripping Off Podcast. This episode of the Tripping Off Podcast was brought to you by Murmur.co. That's M-I-R-M-I-R dot C-O. Social media and the internet are filled with amazing content that teaches us new things every day, from life hacks on how to clean better to influencers who help us through our trauma. But don't you wish that instead of 60 seconds, you could take a whole course from your favorite creator? Murmur allows creators to provide an intimate connection with their audience and to provide courses that teach us more than social media ever could. Whether you're a creator looking to provide quality content for your audience, or if you follow an influencer and want to directly support their content, Murmur.co is where the community lives. Murmur, real communication happens in whispers behind the curtain, and you don't want to be left out. Hey, well, Renee, thanks for uh, thanks for being here for meeting me on a rainy Monday up in uh, Minnesota. It's a hot and humid Monday down here in Orlando, Florida. But uh, I ran across your stuff on social media. You do a lot of work with minimalism, changing your mindset. And as a hypnotherapist, I thought, wow, what a wonderful person and wonderful perspective to bring on the podcast and to talk about what you do. So. Renee, just a little bit, can you kind of introduce sort of what you do and really your mission on social media? Uh, yeah, you know, so over the last few years, my my family and I have practiced minimalism a lot more. And in that process, I think a lot of times people associate minimalism with just a clean house or a certain aesthetic, but it's been a lot of shifting my mindset to um, changing things to be a little bit more simple rather than making things so difficult, you know, whether than being so anxious about so many things, finding the ways to simplify every aspect of my life, not just our home, but. Yeah. So this, this kind of transcends just stuff. You know, a lot of people think minimalism to think, oh, just sell all your stuff. But this right. is, this is more than that for you. I mean, selling your stuff and get rid of, getting rid of your stuff is probably a, a huge portion uh, but there's yeah, more to it. Sure. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Like when you're coaching someone, when you're talking about these things, the mindset. Yeah, you know, one thing I say a lot is like, people always have this desire. They want less stuff, you know, less clutter. And I always tell people one of the best things for me of creating a clutter-free home is I'm spending less time cleaning and things like that. But mm. it can also go hand in hand with the realization that a lot of times we accumulate things, we buy things because we're really seeking something bigger, like a deeper feeling, a deeper meaning. And when we keep allowing ourselves to accumulate and search for happiness in our stuff, uh, we never really find out what we're truly seeking or what we're really looking for. It's kind of just like a distraction from really getting to know ourselves and what we want for our lives. So yeah. It, I feel like it all goes hand in hand. You kind of need to get rid of the stuff. You need to be willing to let go of it, you know, to 
dive down deeper into what behind what's laying behind it all. Got it. So, so stuff almost kind of becomes a distraction then is it, I mean, would it be fair to compare a need, a compulsive need for stuff almost to like an addiction, like alcohol, like it distracts me from things. Would that be fair? Yeah, I would. I really say so. I know some people get upset when I say that and I'm not necessarily, I've had a dad who struggled with alcoholism. So I know there's, um, there's differences to it, but I call myself a shopaholic or a Mm. recovering shopaholic because it truly was when I would hit something or have a bad experience in my life or times were hard. I would just go to the store and just start buying without thinking. You just kind of start shopping and start spending. And I mean, like most other addictions that leads to, you know, financial struggle that can lead. And then which financial struggle can lead to broken relationships. Like we struggled in our marriage because, you know, we didn't have our finances in order and, um, can also stop you from getting to any other place in life, you know, because you're holding yourself back with that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the, and the research supports exactly what you're saying too. Like the number one cause for divorce is financial strain. Like there's, there's other things on the list, but the number one time and time again is financial strain causes breakdowns of relationships because I mean, in a lot of ways, finances is safety. And if you can't have safety in a relationship, I mean, that's tough. Right. That's kind of the whole right. point, right? <laughs> yeah. And that was, um, you know, I shared that in, like, I know, like a TikTok video I shared where I always never, I never wanted money to stand in the way of my marriage because I didn't want to get divorced. I didn't want to have struggles. So we would just never talk about money. And then in not talking about it, right. Um, you know, I think a lot of times people have that idea, like, well, if we just don't talk about it, then there can't be a problem but in the not talking about it, there's a big problem. So, um, you know, that was another step of having to work through and figure out how to have money conflict by choice, you know, to, to be able to be able to work through everything. So, yeah. yeah. Well, there's kind of this desire, I think to, um, hopefully if you ignore the problems, they'll go away. Right. It's like, I know there's a problem. I can feel there's a problem, but I don't like that. So I'm going to, well, purchase things or uh, engage in other kind of addictive, numbing, distracting behaviors. And right. we all fall victim and prey to it. It's kind of a human thing, I would think. Yeah, unfortunately. And I think it kind of yeah. goes hand in hand with that um, positive, positive mindset struggle where, you know, you toxic positivity, try oh, so yeah. hard to just be positive and like, I'm struggling financially, but if I put a smile on my face and just say that it'll be okay and say that it'll be okay, maybe it will, you know, and it never, it never is unless you're willing to actually face it. So just like you need to deal with any negative emotions that are coming up around anything else in your life, you know, um, I think that that's where I came in with those money struggles was if I just pretend enough, then it'll go away. But of course yeah. it never does. So. Well, that lends perfectly to the question that I wanted to ask you, which is, um, so, so my sort of background comes from, I'm a licensed mental health counselor. Uh, I own a private practice and I've kind of used the tool of hypnotherapy as something that I, I integrate heavily into my practice, helping people with their mental struggles. Um, the manifestation mindset sort of community in, they can kind of be in tension with the mental health community sometimes. Like you get the very clinical, scientific, well, this is what the research says kind of people. And then you've yeah. got, you know, sort of the other side, like, Hey, like it's much more spiritual. It's much more emotional. Like we got to, you know, manifest and be mindful. Um, right. 
So it's interesting to hear you say that because I think when people think about uh, mind mindset manifesting, they think of that toxic positivity. Just say it's okay until it is okay, or just say that you'll be a millionaire until you become a millionaire. But what you just said, it's very different. Can you help me sort of understand that? Yeah. And that's when I first heard about manifestation, um, that's what I, that's what I did. 100% was, you know, you, I think we all, a lot of people were introduced to manifestation through the movie, the secret or the documentary, yeah. the secret hey, puppy. Oh, who's I, know. The puppy that joined? <laughs> I, I will probably put this on YouTube uh, later if that's okay. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> you can. This is Daisy. <laughs> oh, Daisy. Oh my gosh. You're adorable. <laughs> She just turned 16 today. So. Oh, 16. Wow. Way to go, Daisy. No, I know. She's hanging in. She's doing so good. Living out her senior years. Let's go. Mimosa's on the she beach. Is. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Love it. Love it. Oh, man. Too bad we don't have a good beach around here. But Minnesota. Yeah. Florida. Come, yeah. Hey, come visit Florida. We, yeah. I mean, that seems fair. Dogs take trips for their birthday, right? I think so. I mean, it's 2021. <laughs> Things are weird. Yeah. It's all, it's a free for all. It's a free for all now. It's a free for, I mean, you know, hey, animals have rights too, right? Let, let, yeah, let the poor thing right. take a vacation. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Huge, huge. No, no, it's totally Daisy fine. I was need, trying to... Daisy needed it. She was worth it. Um, she did. She's so happy now. But So in the, in the beginning, it, it was a bit of that toxic positivity for you. You're saying, but almost like you matured from that. Yeah. I mean, I hate that so much. I hate that we have to fail in order to learn, you know, like I just, if I, if I could have just gotten it down right away, that would have been great. But I did a lot of that toxic positivity. And around this time that I started learning about manifestation, I started learning about minimalism and I started learning about all the things, all the things is when I started consuming so much. And I went into that toxic positivity. If I just say it, or if I think about it, um, then it'll happen. But what I think can happen a lot of times, and I was just talking about this with a friend, is the more you, everyone of course is different. People are going to have different ways that it works for them. But the more you talk about it, the more you focus on it, the more you think about it, the more you can kind of create that resistance in your body that doesn't believe the words that are coming out of your mouth. Mm. If that makes sense. Where if you're, one of the biggest things I try to say to people is if you're saying, I'm going to be a millionaire by next year. But in your gut, it's like that tense, tight, clenched feeling that doesn't believe yeah. what you're saying. Then it's never going to come. It comes from a place of, you know, peace and trusting the words that are coming out of your mouth. But also the more you focus and the more you talk about it, if you're writing something down over and over again, it can almost become like an obsessive habit that can lead to anxiety and anxiety is Ooh. no way to live. I didn't think about it that way. Yikes. Yeah. That's kind of the opposite of what you're trying to do. Right, right. So so for, for everyone listening, how do you know when it's toxic? It sounds like, um, and I'll come back to that question in a second, but as you're saying this, it sounds very similar to sort of the psychology counseling concepts of uh, attunement uh, and authenticity. So, you know, you can't say... Uh, you can't say like, uh, I'm going to be the next LeBron James, right? Yeah, I'm not going to yeah. be the next LeBron James. As much as I say that, like LeBron James has got some things going for him that I, I do not, right? You know? Right. Anyways, this is maybe a crude example, but you kind of get what I'm saying. There's no alignment there. I don't, I don't like sports. I don't like much less basketball. Um, right. And so I can say that, but it's not in alignment, attunement 
with who and what I am. Um, right. So anyways, those, those concepts kind of being floating around in the air between us. Um, how do you know when it's toxic? That's what I think it's so important to the more, I think for me and for, you know, people that I've worked with is more of knowing yourself and reading your own responses and body language to things. So if the words that come out of your mouth and you feel like a bodily response from it, you know, if you're saying, no, I'm feeling really good, but inside you can feel like your heart stopping or I'll even notice like, um, when I write something that I don't necessarily believe, um, like my leg will twitch or my arm will tense. Like I, some sort of body response usually comes when you're trying to say or write something that you don't necessarily believe. And then if you consider, like I said, the anxiety, if someone keeps writing it, cause that's a popular manifestation method is, you know, I think it's three, six, nine, or, you know, you write it multiple times throughout the day. Mm -hmm. But if you're Mm -hmm. multiple times throughout the day, not believing and creating tension in your body with the things that you're saying, you're just working against yourself. And I think that's the best way to recognize it is if you can pay attention to your body's response to the things that you're saying or writing or trying to create, you know? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. As hypnotherapists, um, we often use uh, handwriting analysis actually as a huge part of kind of understanding what someone's unconscious association with a suggestion would be. Uh, that was a lot of words. Let me simplify. No, uh, I think I get it. Go ahead. <laughs> when well, for for everyone listening, anyway. Um, so what a what a hypnotherapist will do, and I'm kind of spoiling the secret, but shh, we'll keep it between us. Okay. Um, they will give you a blank sheet of paper and they will have you kind of like write out your problem and kind of kind of talk about it, really describe it. And what they're doing is they're noticing the way that you write about it. Is your pen pressure really hard? Do, Ooh, the, yeah. do the lines slant up indicating uh, optimism or do the lines slant down indicating uh, sort of pessimism? I really don't think this problem is going to get better. Are the words very sharp and angular, meaning you're overly critical about it? Or are they very swooping and looping, meaning you're maybe even too emotional about it and your emotionality is getting in the way of you yeah. achieving the goals that you want. So, um, there's, there's a term for that, you know, it's, um, it's the way that the body responds to sort of the psychic state that's going on, not psychic as in psychic medium, but psychic as in yeah. psychological, the mental state is taking place. Um, and that says a lot. And so, I mean, just to further support what you're saying, like, that's rooted in science that if you notice something's yeah. wrong in your body, um, that's a huge indicator. What, yeah. when you notice those things in your body, what does that prompt you to do then? I mean, do you say, okay, that's a bad suggestion. I'm not going to do that. Or what's the next step there? Yeah. Well, first of all, that's so cool about the handwriting. I want to like go back and look at every journal entry I've ever written. Oh and man. And then to like watch it change how I was too. Feeling. Super interesting. Super interesting. I I did. I took that course and I like went back over everything I've ever written. I'm like, oh yeah, mm, I see you. I see you and your defense mechanisms there, Jesse. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, oh that is so cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. And like you said, it makes so much sense because how we're feeling is what's going to come out, you know? Um, yeah. So that's what I think for me a lot. And what I try to tell people is it's so much about really knowing yourself. And I could say I'm thankful, look back at my past and be thankful for how much I always went 
within when things were chaotic outside, you know, I did a lot of internalizing. Um, And I don't always necessarily think that that's beneficial, but I think it really helped me be more in tune with myself um, Mm. and slow down and pay attention. And I think that's a lot of times we get so, so busy in today's world. Um, And when we're so busy, we don't have time to pay attention to those those signals that our body will give us. So of course I always recommend, you know, meditation to people, but people are so quick to shut down meditation because they struggle to even silence their brain that much. But even things like doing the dishes or taking a shower can help you just slow down and be in tune with your body for even just a second. And when you're going through struggles or when I'm going through a struggle or when I'm hoping to set a goal or achieve something different or when I'm not quite sure what path to take mm. spending that alone, quiet time with like journaling, talking out loud. Cause I'm an auditory processor. I like to hear my thoughts out loud. It helps me, um, but I'll write it out. I'll talk it out um, and really pay attention to any little signals that my body will give me. It's very much just mm. tuning in, you know, and getting to know the full you, <laughs> As corny as it sounds. Yeah, yeah. Is 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 there a part of you that just hates that? Like, oh, I gotta slow down and listen to myself. I want to distract. I want to numb. I want to not think about all these things. Is that is that just me? Or <laughs> no, I mean, I get it more more and more. I love it. Um, okay, but again, this is a practice that I've been going through for like the last ten years of my life. Yes. Where before I'm having a bad day, I would buy myself a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos. And it was like, this is what I do when I'm sad. I (laughs) I eat a whole bag and I call it a day or grab a glass of wine and just have the sip and, you know, calm down or whatever it might be. And more and more, I've really worked to, to not, to, to be slow. And it's kind of that minimalism. It's just doing, doing less. Uh, rather than feeling like I need to be quick to find something to cover up or something to distract me. I um, And I did a whole, through the month of July and August, I got really intentional with slowing down um, and tapping into what I would say people would probably call intuition, but just okay. paying attention to myself and my body signals. And um, something that so many people would say is wrong or lazy was to just I would act if I was inspired mm-hmm. and like, I was really trying to be intentional about paying attention to where my internal guide was leading me to kind of thing rather than like a lot of times in business, we can, you know, maybe get an idea of like, Oh, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. So, and I'm really quick at coming up with ideas, all these new ideas of things I can do rather than yeah. being still and kind of, letting that internal guide come out to direct me what to do next. Yeah. Am I no, taking I, this too far? No, 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 no. That totally makes sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with what you're saying. I'm the more listening. I've slowed down, the more I tap in, the more benefit I see of just being still more often. Yeah. For, for you and your story, um, what, what motivated that initial drive to like, buy things, work on things, do all this stuff, have like, there must've been an emotional motivator to that type of stuff. I mean, I, I have my own therapist. I go to my own therapy to work through these things, right? I've been working to try and understand this in myself. 
have you kind of noticed that in you that there was some emotional drive that that was seeking to fulfill something? I feel like it always is. Um, on top of, for me, it was on top of seeing like, these were the habits that my parents had created. Okay. Um, you know, my mom was always quick to buy and spend and don't tell your stepdad, you know, don't tell oh, that I no. spent this much. And yep. um, yeah, I learned, I spent so much time with my grandma and every weekend she would take me shopping. She'd buy me new things. And mm. um, I had a dad who was really quick to just blow us. We do amazing, fun things every other weekend when I'd see him, that kind of thing, we'd go to hotels, we'd take trips, we'd go on vacation. So it was, I think, not only growing up seeing all of that, mm -hmm. um, but then I think my biggest reason that I struggled with it for as long as I did mm -hmm. was when my dad passed away at, when I was 19, mm -hmm. um, I thought, I kind of went into that YOLO mindset. Um, like I wasn't going to say no to anything that sounded fun or cool. Like I wanted to just take advantage of every single cool experience or opportunity that presented itself. Um, I only live once. You can't take it with you. You know, those kinds of mindsets. Yeah. Um, I was kind of maybe afraid if I slowed down, you know, you have to confront that. What happens if you slow down? Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to. <laughs> it was yeah. so so much easier to just keep going. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I've had to confront not like even as deep as accepting that life is going to end at some point, you know, that kind of thing where I think and accepting that the things I was trying to fill my life up were, weren't really yeah. building me a fulfilled life. It was just pointless things. And what do I actually, if I think about the ultimate legacy that I want to leave rather than being fearful that I'm not going to get enough time to do all these cool, awesome things, you know, like you think about the bucket list I used to have when I was 20, like bungee jumping and all these amazing epic things versus switching to that mindset of kind of impact and legacy. Do I want to leave behind? I think it can help shift from that constant accumulation to the bigger picture that slows you down and makes you stop feeling this need to accumulate. It was very much a scarcity mindset. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can very much see how that's motivated by the experience that you've had, you know, with your father. And, you know, I, I read some of your story on your website and growing up and the alcoholism and stuff and everything that went into that. And then his eventual passing, like that's, that leaves a huge emotional weight. And, you know, also kind of, as you describe that, it really sounds like something that I've kind of understood too, which is um, stuff and things is love. Yeah. And yeah. so if I have stuff and things, I can point to it and say, look, somebody cares about me. If I don't have stuff and things, I don't, I don't know if I'm still cared about in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I suppose that's a really, maybe a better way of explaining it. For, I guess another aspect of it for me was how I looked if I bought the right clothes mm. and gave this sort of the image that I gave to the world, then maybe um, that made me better. That made me more worthy. That made me, um, yeah, more loved, more loved is ultimately, I think yeah. what most people are seeking in some, some form. And I thought if I gave this outward appearance of having all of the right things, that would be enough. And yeah, 
Oh my gosh. Then that means that the idea of slowing down is absolutely horrifying. Right. Right. It is. It's very scary and it's very hard. (laughs) It's hard to stop and really face those fears that you have and how you've been masking them. Well, cause it, yeah, it's not just, it's not just stuff. It's, uh, if I let go of these things, I let go of what these things emotionally symbolize to me, which is belonging and love and right. significance. Like if I let go of things, I'm, I'm not loved. I'm not significant uh, and I don't fit. And so right. uh, I'm just going to let go of that. It is. It's very difficult. And that's, I, I'm sure you heard, you know, our family downsized our house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had bought this big house and very much, if I'm totally honest, um, I was, I had my own photography business at the time. And when I first started it, we were just doing it in the basement of our townhouse. And I thought if I have a legit studio, like a studio set up in our home, in this bigger house, people are going to take me more seriously as a photographer. I will be seen as better or more worthy. Mm. And all have made it. This is the ultimate goal. And I tried to do the same appearance for the way I looked and the way I dressed and letting go of that house. You know, in a lot of ways, our biggest concern was what other people were thinking. Are people going to think that we're poor? Are people going to think this? Are people going to think this about us? And um, letting go of my appearance and buying new clothes for myself is that, am I going to be less attractive to my husband? Is he going to want to stay with me? You know, what do I have to offer if I don't have these things that I've led to believe are who I really am, you know? Yeah. Um, Oof, that's and so- that's what that minimalism can be so cleansing in that sense. But then you are forced to face the deeper stuff for sure. Yeah. So. That, that self-worth um, and this is, this is not you, this is in general, like that self-worth is so fragile. Yeah. Uh, and you really, you really kind of have to confront how fragile that self-worth, that ego strength is when you start yeah. to minimize, minimalize, give space, you know, yikes. I, yeah. <laughs> I both love and hate that like passionately. It is. It's, <laughs> it's a good and bad thing. I'm so thankful to have done it, but you know, it still well, has the work that has to go along with it too. Yeah. It's like painfully healthy, you know, like when you yeah. eat vegetables and it's terrible, right? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. then you feel so good afterwards. Yeah. And now I'm to that point where sometimes I'm like, I really need broccoli. Like I, yeah. I can recognize, you know, that feeling my body's telling me, get some healthy food in your, in your system. But the time it took to get here was not great. Well, cause you have to, you have to dismantle. Right. And so, you know, you, you have to let go of all those things that symbolized self-worth up until that point. Right. And so it's like, I'm letting go of this thing. I'm getting rid of these clothes. I'm, I'm downsizing this house, all of which would meant value, worth, uh, significance. Yeah. Let those go. It, it really genuinely feels like, um, almost an ego death. I don't know if that's but yeah, like losing a, a personality. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, or like a false, a false personality, you know? Oof, yeah. But one that we work hard to build. So well, and, and is like you're saying, reinforced from, from examples through our parents. Yeah. Yeah. Not to blame parents for everything, but obviously our upbringing is going to play a sure. role. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I, I think most of the time they, they were struggling with themselves too. It wasn't malicious most of the time. 
Um, right. There's definitely some stories where it is, but I, I think yeah. in general, speaking in broad brush strokes, it's not malicious. It's just, that's how they cope. So they're like, Hey, this is also how you cope son or daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mm, numbing. Yeah. yeah. But I would also say it's been fun to, as, as I work to change, I can see the changes happening and I obviously only my mom's left, you know, but Mm-hmm. she sees what I say. She sees what I do. And I feel like I can see it clicking for her in a new way. That's kind of, uh, cool. which feels pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, very much so. So that kind of brings us to, well, the more, more positive side of it, which is uh, kind of making your way out. You know, you do a lot of um, the mindfulness stuff, the consciousness coaching. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Like specifically the consciousness coaching, I'm very interested in the way that you sort of conceptualize the way that the brain gets broken and the, the way that the brain and the body, like the whole system mends through this specific process. Can you lay that out a little bit? Right. That's, I've had to really work to try to find, um, the right formula. Like I said, you know, where it kind of Mm. all ties together and, um, helping people get in, get more in tune with their, their own consciousness, that inner guide by working to eliminate those outward things that they've worked to build up, I think is always the first, or not always the first step, but can be a very good first step. And then I said, working on paying attention to the body cues and those triggers when, if you previously were, did have like a shopping addiction or spending habit that you got into, stopping yourself and asking, okay, what am I really seeking here? What am I really looking for? Um, And stripping away at, yeah, that ego self to get more to that consciousness side of you. Um, I've been working so hard over the last few years to try and find a good process that fits to help as many people as possible in as simple as possible of a way. Because I tend to, I think a lot of, information that's out there on consciousness can be very, very deep and very intense and very, um, you know, where they talk about the psychological side of things or the spiritual side of things. And <laughs> what I would love to do is make it easier for more people to get to that point without being that, you know, in your, you know, that person that it seems overwhelming or seems like yes. the hippie that nobody believes, you know, that do you know what I'm trying to say? That yeah, there's 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 fault on both sides. There's the the hippie side. I'm using hippie very loosely. I know, I know, I know, I know exactly. But there's kind of the hippie side where it's very. It's not. There's no strong theoretical or scientific foundation to it. It's just all feelings and touchy gooey, which is is too much. And then there's the other opposite side of that spectrum, which is way too scientific, way too analytical, critical. There's no life in it. It's sterile and dead. Yeah. Right. And so I, as you're saying that I, I laughed because the voice of my wife comes into my head. Uh, when I first started social media, I would make these TikTok videos and oh my gosh, Renee, they were the most awful TikTok videos because (laughs) I would, 
I've spent my life studying the science side, right? So if right. I have a if I have a fault, it's being too much on the uh, analytical sterile sterile side. So I would make these three minute videos on Instagram, and I'd ask my wife what she thought. She's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> She's like, you you lost me after the first sentence. You're gone about you know psychological <laughs> substructures and the conscious and unconscious <laughs> and psychoanalytic shadow and you know light theory. I'm like, oh yeah, good good point. Um, right, right. <laughs> so and that's I, laugh I feel like I, identify. I, I do the exact thing. Yeah, I I completely understand that. And while like I love stuff like that, I love reading information like that. I love yes. reading books like that. And I do like both ends. I love the science side of things, and I do love the more you know um, spiritual side of things. And that was part of my like slowing down over the last sixty days to just be in tune with my own intuition, not only to help people be more in tune with theirs to understand and to say like, Hey, when you slow down and you do allow yourself to be guided, it works out. But to also, um, find peace with how I could put everything together in a way that's relatable to a wider range of people. Um, you know, putting it into simple terms, when it's such a bigger thing. Yes. I I was saying to people for so long, I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know if I want to talk about minimalism necessarily because I want to talk about the bigger picture. I want to talk about the bigger things, but it, 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 to me, you know, the minimalism side of things, the mindset side of things is part of the bigger picture. And it's been a matter of figuring out how to put it all together in a way that's fun and relatable and feels easy, but allows people to slowly tap in more yeah. to the deeper side of things. Well, and if I can be honest, I think, I think as soon as you try and tap into the deeper part, um, people scroll past or people swipe left, yeah. you know, because, yeah. uh, what you're talking about is making very emotional, um, deep concepts tangible. And so where I just like anybody else love a good clickbait Buzzfeed article, um, because, it continues the cycle of distraction that I so enjoy. And so the same, and it's the same distraction that tells me to buy things that tells me to drink, that tells me to workaholic. Right. And so, you know, I can read a top 10 list and have no emotional personal significance to it, but I feel as though I learned something. And so, you know, I scroll, you know, past your page and I see, you know, three things to throw away right now or whatever, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, oh, I feel like I learned something, but there was no emotional significance to it. You're trying to have the emotional significance and there's an automatic sort of defense mechanism that comes up to that because you're trying to do something more than just perpetuate the distraction cycle, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, And it's so hard. So what I've found is, you know, it's, it's so difficult to navigate. Well, I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at it, but taking my story, making it simple and what we did and sharing the bigger impact that it had kind of thing, you know, where our marriage was struggling. So we did this and we were able to create this and the response I get from people really lets me know that um, there are people who are struggling with this one isolated problem that really could be tied to a big, deeper problem. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Huge, huge. So when you talk about consciousness, consciousness is kind of the solution, Uh, bringing, bringing things into consciousness, like 
<laughs> use your brain, damn it. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, you know, using, again, I, you know, they talk about like the universal mind, like the, the universal brain that that's that consciousness, that part of us that you can't see, that part of us that is, that's always here, always present, mm. but that can never be found, never be seen by a microscope. Um, yeah. And I actually just read a really interesting book on consciousness. So I've kind of, again, I'm feeling out how I feel about this, but that again, consciousness can be something that people dive into too much um, where you try too hard to always be in tune, always in consciousness mode, always meditating, always trying to seek higher rather than just kind of showing up for your life and living it and experiencing it. Um, which I realized I was beginning to do where like you were saying, when I pay attention to my body and I pay attention to my body cues, um, sometimes I was doing it a little bit too much. Um, yeah. I have a bad day. I feel kind of off and I'm going, okay, why, where's this coming from? How am I feel? And it could just be like, I'm just having a bad day. Like I need to just kind of let it go a little bit. So I think there's still balance in finding that consciousness too, where it's good to be aware of that consciousness side of you, that deeper side of you or higher self side of you. Oh, you're good. Sorry about that. But also, also mm -hmm. showing up for the stuff we can't see, the stuff we can't touch and agreed, you know, well, and creating balance. Hopefully I don't lose anybody with the, the psycho babble, but you know, the psychoanalytic concept of light and shadow, um, everything has a positive side, but then if taken to an extreme or not done enough, it can have a shadow sort of archetype or, or expression. So even this idea of mindfulness, uh, meditation, um, has a very obvious light side, but the shadow side of it is if you're always conscious, if you're always mindful it of necessity negates the opportunity for progress. Because if you're always in the here and now, you're never moving forward. And so it is a balance. You want right, to clearly right. know the here and now so that way it can propel you and fuel the wisdom to move forward. So right. if we lose the goal of, hey, we are making progress, um, we can fall too far into mindfulness to where we stagnate. And that can be very problematic. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, and that's exactly it. And that's, you probably, I feel that you're saying things, <laughs> saying things perfectly and like creating that balance between, you know, stuff, minimalism, the tangible, the touchable things of our lives and yeah. that deeper mindset or consciousness side of ourselves and how to make those come together in order to create a really well-rounded, full, fulfilled life. I love um, it. I love it. Yeah. Well, and I got to, you know, to, to bring it to a very practical level, I got to tip my hat to you. Uh, there are ways, Renee, that you are doing this, that I will never fully understand. You're a mom uh, and you homeschool your kids. So here I am, I may complain about my life being busy and all these things. <laughs> I will never know how busy and how stressful it must be to be a mom, one, uh, and to homeschool your children. Uh, so <laughs> how so you do it in balance no clue because I can't even do it in my little life over here. <laughs> Not to totally make myself, but we sent our kids to public school this year for the first time. Okay. Uh, well, um, please tell me about that, that decision. Cause I, you know, I don't uh, share this often, but um, well, just cause it's not a focus on my page, but I was actually homeschooled right. kindergarten through 12th grade. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I'm the oldest wow. of four. 
Uh, yeah. And my mother taught us uh, from kindergarten through 12th grade, all four of us. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a whole, it's a whole community. It's a whole different lifestyle. It's a subculture in some ways. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't, don't know that, that field, that community. Uh, so I find myself often educating people about like, Hey, like this is what it's like to grow up that way. Like these are some of the, uh, insider terms, you know, um, yeah. but it's intense. It's intense. So, um, what was your experience homeschooling? And then what kind of changed your mindset? Did your mindset change to sort of, I don't know, initiate public schooling? Yeah. So, my original, I thought I said I would never homeschool. Why would I ever want to, you know, I've always been such an independent Absolutely person. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was always so independent and was so excited at the idea of sending my kids off so I could get my time back. Cause I already was home with them, raised them, you know? Yep. Um, but I started to learn about the homeschool side of things. And I loved the idea of being able to, meet my kids where they are, um, encourage them in their strengths, help them through the weaknesses, teach them how they learn best. Yeah. Um, so that they could grow up to be the best versions of themselves. You know, I think, um, the school system I was in public school, uh, failed me in a lot of ways where I left feeling like I had no desire to go to college or further my education because I, this, because the school system didn't work for me, I assumed I was kind of dumb point, you know, like that, that I had yeah. nothing else to offer really, because yeah. um, I was, again, just reading um, a book that talked about, you know, we all, of course, we know that we benefit from failure, you know, that we can yeah, sure, pick sure. ourselves. We benefit from right, failure. Right, right. Oh, we can pick yeah, ourselves up so after we fail, <laughs> right? <laughs> but there's also a really hard, intense thing that, you know, when you've been knocked down over and over and over and over and over again, it gets harder and harder and you can ultimately do that. Um, learned helplessness, you know, mm. just, mm. or internalized. There's failure. no point in trying the system failed well, me. Uh, instead of saying the system failed me, I say, I, I failed when right. really you, you didn't just didn't teach you in a way. I mean, especially it like just didn't work earlier. for me. I mean, you right. you're being an auditory processor. I mean, the school system is not set up for auditory processing. No, no. And um, I hated it, you know, and I, since leaving school, you know, I went on to, I got like an associate's degree in graphic design and I loved going to that schooling. Like it was mm. so great. Um, I had amazing professors and I constantly read, I constantly accumulate new, I love learning. I, you know, I think I liked learning in school, but when you're failing tests or you're failing, you feel like, maybe I didn't learn anything. Maybe I missed the mark, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I didn't want that for my kids. I wanted them to love learning. I wanted them to be able to grow and have passion rather than having a test score, make them feel like they are less than worthy. Mm. Um, and I think COVID is what <laughs> brought us to public school. We, because we, you said we had a homeschool community where we had a lot of these things going on, or we would go to the science museum, we'd go out and do things, mm -hmm. but COVID kind of shut everything down. We wound up spending a lot of time at home. So really what sort of motivated the, the transition from homeschool to public school, which I guess was a recent transition for you, was COVID. You know, you had this great homeschool support community yeah. and then being isolated. Um, right. Well, that makes that tough. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess I can't really say I think COVID played a role 
Um, but it just seemed that we all three, my both my kids and I kind of all got to this point where we were feeling like maybe it would be a good, a good try, give it a try and see how it goes. Hmm. Um, I think my daughter also was, what was that? How's that going for them? I think, okay. Yeah. Um, I try, I try to check in with them every day and see how they're doing. And we try to set an intention for each day, like one thing that they want to accomplish or one thing they want to work through, just getting their locker open every time or, um, saying hi to that person that they want to say hi to, you know, just those little, little plans to maybe make their day better. Um, and we'll see. And we kind of made that goal of getting through Christmas time to really give it a good feel, you know, because mm. it's of course a transition. So a big one, I bet. Yeah. If you hate it in one week, that's not really enough. We got to give it a good effort. Um, yeah. But we, I figured it would be a really good chance to do something new. And the more, I think the more experiences that we have, the more opportunity we have to get to know ourselves better and to know what does and doesn't work for us. And I'm hoping that this experience for them will teach them that, yeah, this is something that, you know, I really do well in, or I didn't like this and shows me, I know this about myself now because this didn't go well or because it did go well. And um, yeah, this is an opportunity for them to really get to know themselves and to get them, get themselves to know themselves (laughs) away from me. You know, that was a lot of confusing words, but well, uh, no, it said said very well, you know, helping them create an independent identity. Like, who am I outside of mom or family yeah. or home? Right, yeah. right. To really, um, well, here, psychobabble again, ego strength. And not ego in yeah. the negative sense, because, oh, he's got a big ego. That's not psychologically yeah. what that term means. Ego strength is uh, a strong self-identity, despite right. environmental factors. Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. That's yeah, tough so though. Good for them. If they are, they're doing, they're doing good. Um, yeah. You know, toughest day I think for my son was the guy, the kid in line before him got the last nachos. He came home in oh. tears. <laughs> oh, brutal. <laughs> supposed to have nachos for lunch and he didn't get them. You no, know, nachos. that's the biggest problem. I guess we're doing okay. So I, I guess pretty okay. Pretty okay. I, you know, can't blame him. I would cry if someone took the last nachos as well. Yeah. So, Don't I'm mess there. with my food. That's not an okay <laughs> yes. thing. Yeah, very much. Oh man. Well, kind of as we come to a, to a close here, um, I really, one of my big goals on the podcast is just to highlight people, the amazing things that they're doing to make them sound good and to tell people like, Hey, there's these great resources. There's these great people living the life, like trying to do it different and trying to be an example for others. Um, I love that you do that. And there's a lots, lots of ways for people to get connected with you, to look into the coaching and to look into the programs that you have. Um, and even just through your Instagram, I loved it. I was looking through it. You've got so many tips, like so many practical things you can do today to help. One of the ones that I liked the most was uh, you made a post that said, if you find something that you want to buy, you really, really like it, um, you, but you probably don't need it. Take a picture. Uh, and you'll get that quick satisfaction. You can have it. You can look at it. Because, uh, well, gosh, I'm going to sound. <laughs> uh, my wife loves pretty things. Uh, yeah. Especially yeah. Tiffany blue things. And it doesn't matter what it is, whether we need it or not. If it's Tiffany blue uh, yeah. or it has, has something to do with cats, uh, she loves it. 
and she'll yeah. want to buy it. And she's great. I, you know, I, I rag on her sometimes, but she's amazing. But um, I noticed myself doing that too. I'm like, oh, I want that thing. And it's like, well, do you really need that thing? No. Yeah. Notice your body. Notice the compulsion that sits right below your rib cage and above your gut, that little knot right. that forms right there. Take a picture, hold on to it. That's right. such great advice. It's crazy how well it works. Uh, because I find a lot of times, especially if it's like little gift shops or I see something and it makes me think of somebody or I think it's like by taking a picture, you get that that instant gratific- gratification in a way. So yeah. it, it becomes so much easier to walk away from it. Even clothes that I like, I'll take a picture and I feel better. I, it's yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> it's crazy how simple and how effective it is. Yeah. Do you have another one that you really, really like? Like one of your favorite go-tos? Oh, shoot. Um, I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. For just, for like just buying or spending or? No, just for, for minimalist life. Oh, yeah. I'll probably never be able to think of a thing now. Um, <laughs> uh, it's okay. It's okay. If it comes, if it comes to my mind, I'll let you know, but. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, there's also a, um, there's a term for um, when the unconscious mind speaks through our body. There's a term for it. I use it every damn day, uh, but I cannot for the life of you tell tell you what it is right now because it's flown my mind. I know. I know. That's how it goes. We, right? we were talking about handwriting and I'm like, I know, I know what that is. There's a term for that, but I can't, well, Google it, you know, we're, I'll yep. put it in the show notes. I don't <laughs> It's Monday. It's okay. Oh gosh. It's Monday. Well, uh, on that, uh, check out, um, Renee's Instagram, her TikTok, all wonderful, wonderful stuff. Uh, it's at Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E dot B-E-N-E-S on TikTok. Uh, and the same on Instagram. Lovely, lovely stuff. Can't recommend it enough. Thanks for being here, Renee. This has been great for talking about yeah. this and kind of comparing notes from the minimalist side and sort of the mindfulness side to sort of the hypnotic and psychoanalytic yeah, all side. All the bases. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's one thing that I find on this podcast that's so fascinating is I will have people from all different walks of life and areas from people who are going through medical school to people who make a living doing OnlyFans uh, on the podcast. And it's so interesting to find the ways that time and time again, truth uh, is always the same. And so when you really boil it down, the person who's doing OnlyFans, the person who is in the medical field, the person who's doing coaching about minimalist life, there's fundamental things that people connect on. Because when you find something that works for being a person, it just works because we're all people and it's kind of beautiful. So that's why I love doing this. So thank you for sharing that with us and sharing your unique perspective on all things. Appreciate it. For sure. Thanks so much. Yeah. Is there anything else before we go that you want to want to shout out, want to talk about things you're really, really into right now? No, I don't think so. Not, not that I can think of. This was awesome. It was fun to cover all of the different areas. So yeah. Thanks so much. All right. Well, until next time, y'all take care. <laughs>